like to thank you for being here tonight, especially if you consider yourself a visitor. We're very excited about the topics this month. I'm excited to visit with you about the duties or work of an elder tonight. It's a very important and special topic to me, of course, being an elder and uh, some things that I want to bring forth to you tonight, and I hope that you'll be blessed by our study together. I'm excited to deliver it to you. As we think about this term or this uh, duties of elder or even the term itself an elder, there's, uh, as Craig taught us on Sunday, there's several synonymous terms or like words that mean the same thing in the scriptures. We read the words like elder and pastor, overseer and bishop and shepherd. All these are kind of grouped together under one big topic and that being a servant. We as elders are servants to this congregation, as are the deacons, but we are servants to serve this congregation. We're going to talk about several different things tonight and the way that we do that. Um, What is an elder? You know, maybe you're uh, new to the church or not that familiar with it. What is an elder and and what do they do? Craig talked about that just briefly a little bit on Sunday. We're going to talk about that in detail tonight. When we think about the term of, of an elder or what... Again, what, is it, what do they do? What's it for? Uh, he mentioned that term uh, management or a superintendent over the spiritual well-being of the flock, uh, um, a leader, a manager of the congregation, one who's in charge of the congregation, takes the lead in that um, certain church or in that congregation. And we learned on Sunday that this person is to, to be, um, have those qualities or qualifications that the Scriptures bring forth out of the, uh, the Word of God. And the, he needs to be a complete package guy, have all these characteristics and aspects. Craig talked about um, painting this picture of a man that has these qualities and these qualifications in his life. You know, it's not just a any good old boy will do type of deal. There's qualifications there for that reason. This man has to have those qualities and characteristics as part of his life to be considered for this office. You know, we probably all had different managers, maybe at different uh, jobs that we've had in in our lifetime, and you've probably had some good managers, and you've probably had some really bad managers. That's been the case with me. Uh, I can think of uh, good managers that I've had and qualities, characteristics that they've had, things that made the workplace environment a good place to be and a good place to work. I think about things like the running of the day-to-day operations of the business, in dealing with problems, uh, planning schedules and the work routine for the day, and just being organized in all those different aspects of quality control, making sure we're producing a quality product or a quality service for our customer. Pair of finances, um, you know, all these are things that are included in a good manager, a manager's job, whether they're good or bad, that's included in that job. Maintaining order and direction, and that they are just and fair in what they do and how they run that. Have you ever had a bad boss or a bad manager? You know, I've had several at different times. I've had management or a superintendent over me who's basically done nothing, uh, ordered lunch for us on Tuesdays. That's basically was her job for the for the 26 years that I worked there. <laughs> she was the, the superintendent or the office manager in that particular situation in our, in our place. Um, maybe uh, in a different situation, uh, I've had a manager that is just kind of all over the place. You know, we think about this shepherd as we look at the, the picture here. The sheep are following after him. 
I've had superintendents or bosses that are running all over the place in chaos. They're not orderly. They're not in, in direction, and it, they're very difficult to follow. And certainly, that's not what we want here at the church. We want a good manager, and I believe that's why those qualifications are put in place for us and for our understanding, and that we might all know what these things are, that we might make a good choice of choosing elders for our congregation in the future. So why do we need them? Why would we need elders? What's the purpose for elders? And I put this verse up here for that reason in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. These offices are set in order in the church for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the purpose for having elders or why we need them. So to bring us to spiritual maturity, perfecting, completion of the saints, aiming us toward where we want to go, to heaven, for the work of the ministry, for benevolence, and all these type of things that we're going to talk about tonight. We'll talk about that in detail. And for the building up of us individually as members of the church and of, of the body of Christ. So these are different things that we think about when we think about the duties of an elder. As we look at what the general overview or over topic is of what an elder does, a duty of an elder, he takes care of the church. He leads, he feeds, he protects, and he serves the congregation. That, in a nutshell, is what an elder does. That's the purpose that he serves to a congregation. And again, we're going to talk about that in detail. Craig talked about 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 through 5, and how that an elder is to rule his house well. If he can't rule his children, if he can't rule his own house, he doesn't have any business leading or taking care of the church of God, or how is he going to do it effectively, is what this verse is talking to us about. And this, when he talks about ruling over his house, it means to preside over, to take charge of, to be the manager of, to be the leader of, like we've talked about today. Um, and he's to do that well, to take charge, to be a good leader morally, and bring goodness and righteousness to his family and to his home. He's to be a, a top-notch person that's an example that we can follow after, one that's a, um, a good pattern for us to follow after, one that's Christ-like. If he's like Christ, follow after him. It's words that Paul said. This is what a Christian should look like. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 2, it gives us another picture of what a shepherd should be or what an elder should be, and that's that of a shepherd. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. So we have this picture that's painted for us that he is a shepherd. He's to lead the flock, lead the sheep, lead the individuals of the church in the way that they should go. John chapter 10 talks about our good shepherd, and that being Jesus Christ. So we can think about things that it tells us in John chapter 10 and how that a, a, a leader, a shepherd, is not one that's passive, but is very active in working and leading the, the flock and sheep. In John chapter 10, it talks about the elder or the shepherd knowing his sheep, spending time with them. They hear his voice, and they know them, and he knows them, and they follow after him. That's the type of relationship that we have with one another and an elder should have with his congregation. John chapter 10 and verse number 27 talks about the shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. He makes sacrifices. He gives of his time. He shares his life with the flock, with you, with one another, us sharing our lives together. That's what a good shepherd does and what's what an elder does. 
as we think again about the duty of an elder and this, this broad topic, taking care of the church, leading, feed, protect, and serve the congregation. Paul is an excellent example as we look in the Scriptures and how he, his care and concern and love that he had for the church. You can see that in his writing. You can see that in his words. You can see that in his prayer as he's describing and talking about different churches that he worked with and his concern and care for them. Look in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 31. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. Night and day, three years. Daily, he's warning them and telling them, after I depart from you, there's going to be division in the flock. There's going to be those entering in and and teaching false doctrine. There's going to be divisions and those that draw away people after them. I'm warning you about this. He was concerned. He was a protector. He wanted to provide what they needed, that security. And that's a duty that the elder has. That's something that we are interested in warning those elders at Ephesus of the dangers that were coming. He had their best interest at heart, and he was patient and enduring and warning in that. He was a watchman to them. And another um, duty or work of the elders is that he feed and teach both publicly and privately. Craig talked about that on Sunday. That is something that an elder does. He's a teacher and trainer. In John chapter 10, verses 12 through 13, it talks about the not having like a hired hand caring for the sheep. And if you do, when danger comes, he doesn't care. He's going to protect his own self and run for his life. But the shepherd doesn't do that. The good shepherd will stand and risk his life, give his life for the sheep. And that's the type of man and work that we're looking for. As we can see just by what we've studied already, This is a huge responsibility. It's very important. It's very serious. And we need to take it very seriously. The elder is a steward of the congregation. He's been blessed. He's been entrusted with the care and nurturing of the congregation. And look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Watching for your souls and they will give an account. You see the seriousness of this situation, of the office itself? We're going to give account for how we deal with the congregation. There's a big responsibility that comes along with that, isn't there? We've been entrusted, again, I started on the idea of the steward. Well, let's get back on that, the steward. We've been entrusted with the congregation. This congregation is the Lord's. We've just been entrusted to try to help manage it and try to aim it and take it along where God wants it to be, to heaven, to be His children. It's like our children, our own children. You know, we've been given a blessing by God of having children in our home. And we have a responsibility to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to aim them, to lead them 
toward Jesus Christ and to following and serving Him. And that's what our job is as, as elders too, to aim and lead the congregation to Christ. And it's a work. Craig mentioned this in his sermon as well. It's someone who's not lazy, someone who's a worker. This takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time. And it's something that we need. It's so important. The church desperately needs men to rise to this important occasion and need. Think of Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, in the first chapter, Nehemiah heard about his homeland, Jerusalem, how it was laid in rubbish. The, the wall around the city was all torn down, and he began to cry and weep. And he asked God for forgiveness for himself and for his people, and he was allowed to return back to his home and rebuild the wall around the city of Jerusalem. He rose to the occasion. There was a need there. There was something that the church needed or something that the people of God needed at that time. And he rose to that occasion. And we need that today. We need people to rise to that occasion. I know many people do. Many people have. You know, it's not something all of a sudden you're just appointed um, a leadership position in the church. It's something you're generally already doing, isn't it? You've already risen. You've already showed some, some promise. You've already showed some, some interest in that. And you're already kind of involved in that work before you're put in that position. Men rising to the occasion. But let me ask you a question. What happens when an elder does not lead, when he does not feed, when he doesn't protect, and when he doesn't serve? Does that happen? Well, sure it does. We look around us and we see when they don't do that, when you don't do your job, what happens? Churches close their doors. They fall apart. They're empty. There's bickering and fighting among God's people. There's problems in the congregation. People are not getting along. We're biting and devouring one another. And nobody's doing anything about it. We have a situation like that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. There was a sin that was prevalent in the church and no one was doing anything about it. And it was destroying and hurting the church. So that's something that happens when work of an elder is not being done. The Bible talks about terrible, failing, and foolish shepherds. And look at some of these pictures that we have here. We look at the top picture and the fence is broken. The cattle are out roaming around and in danger of getting run over in the street. We have a cow that has nothing to eat. They're not being fed. They're starving to death. We have a cow that's sick. Part of the, the, uh, the herd is sick. We're hurting. We're suffering. The herd is suffering when shepherds fail. When you look at these cattle, what do you think about the owner or about the, the manager of the herd? Well, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about his flock. He didn't care about the herd. He doesn't care about the cows. And they're suffering and hurting. You know, we have animal cruelty is a big thing in our society, in our nation, isn't it? You treat your animals like this, you can get fined, you can get thrown in jail. It's very serious. And just as the herd and the flock surfers, when they are not having a good manager, a good shepherd, the church fails when elders fail, when management fails. So it's that important. God designed this office and this leadership positions for the good of the church, for the blessing of the church, and not for this, not for that. It's his plan to have elders in every church. The Bible speaks of foolish shepherds not taking care of their flocks. 
In Zechariah chapter 11, in verse number 5, it talks about the shepherds who are selling off their herds and they don't feel guilty about it. They're destroying their herd. They're not taking care of them and they don't feel bad about it. They have no pity on them. No pity. They don't care. They're not concerned. They don't love them and they're not caring for them. They feel no guilt about it. And look what it says here about this type of shepherd. It says that he is idle. That word idle means he's in vain, of no value, worthless. And it also says that he leaves the flock. That word can mean just forsake. He just leaves the flock. He's leaving the herd. He's not doing anything with them. But it also means he hasn't committed himself fully to the flock. It could also mean that he's loosened or permitted them to just run, run around and not do anything about them being outside the fence and roaming around. He's not doing anything. I'm reminded of a child that doesn't have any restraint, that hasn't had any punishment, and is just running around and doing whatever they want to do. We have some examples in the Scriptures of Eli and Samuel, leaders of God's people that did not restrain their children. And look at all the problems that, that caused for the children of Israel because they weren't taking care of business. Let's read verses 15 through 17 of Zechariah 11. And the Lord said unto me, Take unto thee yet the instruments of a foolish shepherd. For lo, I will raise up a shepherd in the land which shall not visit those that be cut off. Neither shall seek the young one, nor heal that it is broken, nor feed that standeth still. But he shall eat the flesh of the fat and tear the claw, their claws in pieces. Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be in his right arm and upon his right hand. His arm shall be clean dried up and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. As we look at this description of the foolish shepherd that's not taking care of his flock, we can learn a lot about the duties or the work of an elder by what this guy is not doing. We can also read about that in Ezekiel and in Jeremiah. But it talks about this foolish shepherd that is not visiting his sheep. He's not caring for them. He's not calling on them. He's not going to see them. And he's not strengthening the weak. That's a work of the elder to visit the congregation, visit his sheep, to seek. He's not seeking after them. He's not inquiring or asking them, desiring to do something for them. What can I do to help you? He's not bringing back those that have been driven away or seeking the lost. He's not healing He's not mending or stitching up or binding the broken, healing the sick. And he's not feeding the congregation. He's not feeding the flock. Guide and nourishment and providing, providing for them provision, teaching and training them. You see, all these are duties and are work of a good shepherd and things that need to be happening in our congregation and among our people. Another thing that we notice about um, the work of an eldership, and Craig had mentioned some of this. He mentioned the not a novice scripture that we have listed on the board there. This is not someone who's just young um, to the congregation, a new convert. It's someone who's got some age on them, someone who's got some experience, someone who's got some stability. He knows all the intricate uh, inner workings and what's going on behind the scenes in the church and how it all works together. I'm reminded of the farmers, farmer's commercial. He, he knows, he's seen a few things and he knows a few things. <laughs> he's been around. He's got some experience. He's spiritually mature. 
He knows the Word of God and he obeys it. He lives it every day of his life. And he's grounded in the Word of God. He defends the faith. He's able to stand up against those false teachers that Paul was warning the elders in Ephesus about. He's not going to be fooled or by the traps of the devil, the sin traps of the devil. He's grounded in the faith. He knows how to defend it with the Word of God. Another duty or work of the elder is the judgment, counsel, and training. Think of the um, question that came forth to the apostles and elders in the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. Some Pharisees were going around saying, unless you're circumcised like the law of Moses says, you can't be saved. And the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. And they met together and they delivered a judgment to the people, a discernment of this false doctrine that was being taught. They delivered that to the people. You see, they were maintaining unity, that we would all be of the same mind and with, with humility. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we mentioned earlier that one of the things that an elder does is resolving conflicts and making discernment, making decisions, and providing counsel and strong sound biblical advice. He must be one that's able to resolve conflicts and disputes when there's problems that come up and perform discipline, being willing to do that. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not a fun thing to do. But withstanding someone to the face sometimes is needed, and it has to be done with empathy and love and care and concern for their soul and remain calm. That's not always easy, is it? When someone's doing the wrong thing or something that we're upset about, it's not easy to remain calm, is it? Courage to confront. Another thing that we need to do is train members. We have several different things, and we've talked about training, uh, some here this, this afternoon, but we've had all kinds of different studies. We have personal studies that go on in homes, Bible studies. We've had teacher training studies, we've had leadership studies, premarital counseling, marital counseling, women's studies, men's studies, all kinds of different opportunities that are around us. And these are things that uh, build and equip and get us to that point that we need to be where, we, where God wants us. A good leader develops and uses the talents of his people, of his members. So we see talent in you and we push you and we encourage you and help you to develop those characteristics and talents in your life. That's a duty of an elder. Also, an elder is a man of prayer, a person of prayer, consistently communicating with God. It talks about calling for the elders, and they praying over one that is sick and hurting, healing the sick, aiding and approaching God on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ for restoration, for repentance, for all members individually, just for general well-being. We pray for you one by one, name by name. And what a great comfort it is to know that you're praying for us, that you're praying for me. And I solicit that from you. Continue to pray for me every day, and I'll pray for you. I need your prayers. It's great to know that someone is there praying for me. And I want you to know that Craig and I are praying for you. Elder also is a planner and a scheduler. One that plans and guides and schedules activities of what we're going to be involved in as a church group, as collectively. Uh, benevolence works that we're going to be a part of and we're going to contribute to. We put together um, 
teachers for the month, or those that are going to preach. We put together topics oftentimes and assign different topics of things that need to be um, taught that we believe need to be taught. And we balance these things. That's not always easy, trying to balance all the topics for the good of all, for the good of all the congregation. Maybe it's not my preference personally, necessarily, on certain things, but look, we're in this for the good of all, not for my preference, not for my benefit. We're not here to, to uh, promote certain individuals or what, just what we want, but for the good of all, for the good of the entire congregation. Giving prayer, fair preference in that way. Being good stewards of finances is another important duty of an elder, of how the money that is contributed on a weekly basis is going to be distributed, what works we're going to be a part of. And I want to point this out too, something that we always need to remember with all the events and all the things that, the fun things that we may have planned, we cannot leave God out of our plan, the real mission, out of our plan, seeking and saving the lost. We see that all around us, all around town, everything being uh, focused on entertainment. And when we're, not, when we're not focusing on the true mission and putting it first and foremost, we're missing out. And we're, we're just wasting our time, seeking and saving the lost. We as Christians are created for good works. God wants us to do good works and bear fruit for Him. We as a church, as individuals, as elders, a duty of ours is to provide this, uh, excuse me, I think, uh, sorry, to provide ideal environment and opportunity for spiritual growth and development. Ideal opportunity that you might bear fruit, that you might grow spiritually. We can't force you to do that. As much as we want you to grow as much as we want you to be spiritually mature and aim you toward heaven and each and every person and individual in here to go to heaven, that's our goal, that's our desire, and that's our want. That cannot be forced. But we can provide that ideal environment for that growth. And that's the duty of the elder. And finally, I want to talk about for just a moment the evaluation of the congregation and evaluation of ourselves or myself too as an elder. <clears throat> think of the parable of the wise and foolish builders. You know, our builders, virgins, excuse me, <laughs> wise and foolish virgins. You think of those that had the oil for their lamp. They were ready for when the Lord returned. They had oils for their lamp and they were ready and waiting and watching his return versus the foolish virgins that weren't ready, didn't have enough oil for their lamps, weren't prepared and were left outside when the master returned or when the bridegroom returned. You see, there's got to be some planning ahead. There's got to be some uh, thinking ahead of what's going to happen. The Lord is going to return, and you need to be ready for it. You need to have your life ready. That's what the parable teaches us. That's what the Word of God teaches us. We as elders are goal setters. We're setting goals for ourselves and for our congregation and, and trying to do our best to pursue the will of God, pursue those goals and His will. We are to honestly evaluate where we're at as a congregation and as an individual and where we want to be, aiming toward heaven, toward the goal, toward the mark. Honestly evaluate that. And the shepherd needs a plan of leading the sheep to green pastures and still waters. That's our desire. You know, Craig and I sat down a long time ago, several years ago, and said, you know, 
we need a new building. We need a new place to be. And that was a goal that we set. We said we need to set a building fund in, in place and, and start moving that direction. We had very little money, very few members, really, at that time. And that was the goal that we set. And we, God blessed us in that. We were able to um, you know, accomplish that goal. And it's a goal that we never want to uh, put you in the position to have to be in again. Future elders, after Craig and I are dead and gone, we want there to be some, a building fund in place where you don't struggle and it's not as difficult. It's always going to be a struggle. It's always going to be difficult, but at least have some type of foundation there that you can build a new building or whatever you need to do after we're dead and gone. We never want it to be that way again. We never want the congregation to be without good, strong eldership and leadership again the way it was in the past. And that's a plan and a goal that we have. Think about yourself. Examine yourself today. Where are you at as a member of this congregation? What are you doing? Are you doing your utmost? Are you aimed at the prize, at the mark? Are you following after the goal of heaven? Are you trying to get to heaven where God wants you to be? Are you like the foolish virgin that's not, not ready and not prepared? Today is the day to make some changes in your life.